This podcast is sponsored by Barclay Estates and Management Bristol. Whether you're a landlord or a tenant, Barclay Estates and Management are committed to providing you with the best possible service. We provide a hassle-free service for landlords and access to properties all over Bristol and the surrounding areas. Hello and welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, Robins Reunited. On this podcast, we get two ex-Bristol City players back together to reminisce on old times. On the past episodes, this is actually episode 23. On past episodes, we've had Danny Coles, Joe Burnell, Gary Arras, Rob Edwards, Lewis Carey, Scott Murray and Tony Thorpe, Steve Phillips, Matt Hill, Brian Tinian, Mickey Bell, Alex Russell, Jamie McComb, Lee Peacock, Lee Matthews, Wayne Allison, Junior Bent, David Rogers, Jeff Merrick, Jerry Sweeney and Trevor Tankton, Peter Aitken and Julian Marshall, John Galley and Bobby Gould, Ian Broomfield and Brian Drysdale, Bobby Williams and Jansen Derrick, Paul Cheesley and Tom Ritchie, Sean Taylor and Jim Brennan, Chris Honor and Paul Marden, Martin Cool and Kevin Nugent. We've had a, a clips from all of those episodes, all about the legend that is Buster Footman. And we're going to get, I'm sure, some more comments today about Buster Footman because let's hear the moment that we reunited Mickey Mellon and Andy May. How are we doing? Okay. Yeah, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Long time now to see, that's for sure. Yeah, you're good to see you. Where are you? Are you in the northwest? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've, I live in Hairsville, New Land. What's that? That's Hairsville. Uh, on the Whittle. Oh, right, right, okay. What about yourself? I'm, I'm down south. I'm down in Dorset. Wow. So I'm, I'm the opposite end. You're <laughs> looking got... well, mate. Oh. You're looking well. Well, it's good to see you. It's good to see you and a long time no see. <laughs> oh, mate. Great to see you, Paul. Great to see you. Well, you're doing well. I think, you know, you've gone on and done some great things, I think. You know, gone into management and coaching and, you know, been really successful. And you, and you yeah. obviously enjoy it. Yeah, thanks, Andy. I just managed to hang in there, as you know. Just keep going. Just keep trying to win games, mate. Just keep trying to win games. Well, well like you said, that's that's all you can do. But, you know, you, you've obviously done well. You've, you've been at different clubs. I mean, I, I, I tried it a little bit and... It was just, I enjoyed doing the whole coaching bit and being involved, but um, politics were not great, let's say. Well, let's say that's not changed, mate. That's not changed. <laughs> I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's, it's not changed. And that, that's, the, that's, that's the tough part about the job. As you know, you're an experienced football guy. When you get to the management side of it, it's all about politics and resources and all the rest of it. And it, 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 it makes it really difficult, but... That's it's our world, isn't it? So we we, we just kind of keep going. Well, the, it's not it's not affecting your looks. You look like you said you look well as well. You know, <laughs> it's not taking toll on you. That's for sure. Like it has on some some other managers. <laughs> well, I'm actually I'm actually having a little break out of it at the minute. So I've never I'd never planned Andy to be in it forever. Really? Fact, yeah, I'd never really planned to be in it. I think just as like yourself, you. You finish playing, you kind of journey on the spot, you get a, maybe get a, a coaching job somewhere and then you pass your badges and then opportunities come and, and it's just got me to 51, but I'd never... Where did you start? I finished playing when I was about 34 and then right. went and then went coaching at Burnley. Then, right. I went, then I got the Fleetwood job, then I got the Barnsley job and then I got the Shrewsbury job <laughs> and then I got the Tranmere job. 
from there. Home. Is that, is that your home from home? Is that your second home, Tramway? Uh, I've been here a long time, I think, so yeah. yeah. And then I got to Dundee United job, so I went back to Scotland for a year, did the Celtic Rangers, all that kind of stuff, and then come back to Tranmere. And, and when I was kind of, what was my problem in my late 40s, I was thinking, what else do I like and what do I enjoy doing? And I, I, ha- I, ha- I was able to write a book. Really? With a friend of mine. Not about me. <laughs> Thankfully. That wouldn't have sold. <laughs> about, it was about leadership. It's called The First 100 Days. So I wrote it with a friend of mine um, about what would industry learn from football managers in their first 100 days of business. And I wrote it for motor neurons disease because a dear friend of mine, Lenny John Rose, who's just passed away, Really, yeah, I know Lenny, yeah. Yeah, Lenny just passed away, so all the proceeds went to Lenny, but I was able to go around all the managers, all of them, Moyes. Fantastic. Uh, uh, who else did I go? Sam Allardyce. Pretty much every or most managers opened well, the door. their brains and see what how. Yeah, and we put, put a book together. Right. So what we did was we decided, without telling anybody, my mate who was a headmaster who wrote the book, he decided he was going to, um, we were going to run a school not tell anybody, but run it as as a football club. So we would speak about who's in your dressing room and who's your captains and what's your philosophy and what's your culture, all that kind of stuff, and learning how to speak to people and all that kind of stuff. I never told them they will. They get taught Ofsted results. And the book done brilliant, done really, really well. And because of that, we got asked to do some keynote speaking. And because of that, I started to get into the education sort of, area, arena, um, and people started to come up to me and say, Mickey, do you want to do football forever? And I said, no, I, I've never wanted to do football forever. I, I, well, you want to play it forever. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> that's the only thing you want to do forever. Yeah, but I, want, I wanted to do something else, Andy. You know, I didn't want to just do football. Left Tranmere, uh, but decided I wasn't going to be there next season. And uh, I got a phone call from a guy called James Lowe. I think he's got about 15 alternative learning schools. So he said, Mickey, come and manage these for me. And I said, I've never managed schools. He said, come and manage them the way that you speak about it in the book. Manage people, manage systems and create systems and all that kind of stuff. Keep everybody's standards high and just learn it as you go along. So that was about a month and a half ago. I love it. Really? I absolutely love it. I mean, it's challenging. The kids, I mean, alternative learning, Andy, is the kids who get excluded from mainstream school or have learning mm. difficulties or difficulties learning. So they're the kids that that need a wee bit more support. So it can be challenging with the behaviour and things, but if you work with them and you, you, you understand and you, you're good at the man management stuff, like you have to be in football, I really enjoy it. I get more out of that than what I have done at a football of... And I found working with, with the younger kids, younger kids and the YTS kids, far easier, far, like I said, far more open to suggestion. It's, uh, it's sort of, they're easier to work with than the, than the senior players, let's say. As you know, Andy, there's a, game, there's a game within the game in football. There's everybody trying to look after themselves and get their next contract and all the rest of it, and then there's a game as the team. And sometimes that can be difficult for the manager to manage because as you get to certain stages of the season and everybody wants to do whatever, that's a difficult part and I always found in management. But when I'm in this world now, I just feel that the differences that you can make and the job satisfactions so so much better. I, I really enjoy it. I don't know if I'm going to change. Is that you finished with football then or would you go? I don't know. 
I don't know, Andy. At the minute, I'm really happy with what I'm doing. That could change. You know what it's like, what life's like. If an opportunity comes along and you go, that's really exciting and I'm going to go and do that yet. But I've had a few offers. No, nothing really that sort of got me at it like I want to be here. And I really enjoy what I'm doing now. And the company's grown. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We're opening schools all over the place and I'm meeting some really interesting people and they want to meet Mickey, the ex-manager, who's <laughs> new in this. And they're going, what are you doing here? And I go, well, um, I'm kind of just here and I'm just getting on with it. I've, come to, I've, got, I'm coming to, I've come here to learn like you. Yeah, that's what I do. But like, when I, it's great to see you because I was very lucky and I've never had the opportunity. I, I, who was it I spoke to? I managed to see Gary Shelton. Really? I've not it seen... It yeah. was a number of years ago. And I managed to say to him, and I'm going to say the same to you, I had a brilliant upbringing in football. I was only 17, 16, 17. But to be brought up in football with the likes of you, Gary Shelton, Mark Hazelwood, Bob Taylor, John Bailey, Rob Newman. I mean, you, you guys were proper professionals, but you only just that. You kept, you, you taught us how to be good people as well. You taught us... How good manners, and you never let you never let us cross the line, and you were always on us all the time. Are you getting and us mixed up with somebody else? Are you no, no, no. Honestly, <laughs> I, I met and I met Joe Jordan, and I still called him Gaffer. Actually, I was at Barnsley, and we played QPR uh, at QPR, and I went and I went, Gaffer, how are you doing? And he goes, Mickey, how are you doing? And I goes, All right, Gaffer. I said, I still feel that I'm your playing for you, and he started laughing. And I went, I still do things that you did with your team. I said, it's such a big influence on me that time with the players that you brought in with Jimmy Lumsden. And I said, that was such a strong group of good professionals that all through my career, that's what I expected of everybody else was to have a club like that because it was it was run meticulously, wasn't it, Andy? Well, he was, yeah, like I said, he was very different. He was sort of new age at the time, having been in Italy. And I mean, the saddest thing about that, like, like talking about, like Joe, was that he left. Yeah, he went to Hearts. That was the biggest disappointment when he left the club that yeah. it sort of threw it into a bit of confusion. Like you said, we had a good set of players, experience and youth, and and we had, you know, young quality where we had Andy Cole come in, and you yeah. know, we had the physicality and experience of Wayne Allison and you know Terry Connor. So we had we had a mix of everything, and like you said, good senior pros. And it was yeah. it was it was very unfortunate that, that, that Joe left when he did, really, you know. And yeah. uh, and I, th- I think that made the club go backwards in a way. I agree. You know, because of who, who was in charge and how, how, you know, how everything turned out, really. I have but, to say, guys, this is the easiest podcast I've ever hosted. Um, <laughs> 15 minutes in and I haven't got a word in edgeways. These guys, to me, and, and I know Andy will get embarrassed and that now, but I, I can remember it so clearly. And it was because we had a really strong group of young players and these guys used to manage us and we knew and we learned so much from them about how to behave and how to, mm. how to be good footballers and good people. We've had such a strong squad, Russell Osman and all these kind of guys, that if you stepped out of line or you you weren't, we, they, they were like, because don't forget, we, we, were, we were 16, 17, we'd left Scotland, a lot of us, and left home, and we mm. were lodging. So these guys were like, your, they were like your parents. Yeah, and absolutely. we stepped over the line, they went, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? And they'd speak to us like that. And they would let us have it. And we would learn very quickly about what was right and what was wrong. I, th- and all. I don't think that was me telling, telling 
Selling oh, drugs. No, no. <laughs> yeah. pro, pro intro. Pro intro. Okay, so first up to Mickey Mellon, born in Paisley in 1972 and signed as a trainee in 1989, age 17, after being released by Hearts. And Mickey, I understand uh, that Jimmy Lunsdon received a call from Alex McDonald at Hearts and gave you a bit of a recommendation. Is that right? I think so. I, I mean, I'm I'm not sure about how it all worked. I, I just got the, the, the call one time because in Scotland at the time, there was no youth policy. So sort of 16, 17, you were pretty much asked. At the time, Hearts are the team full of Scottish internationals. So at that time, you were you pretty much asked to go and try and get in and among them. And the opportunity must have came that because England had a brilliant youth set-up, you had youth teams and things like that, Scotland didn't. They came to me one day and said, would you like to go to Bristol City? And I said, Where, where's Bristol? I, I didn't even know what it was. And then quickly I found out that Joe Jordan was a manager and Joe's a legend in, in Scotland. And I spoke to my, my mum and dad and, and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. So I got put in a train on a, on a Sunday from Glasgow Central Station. And it, was, it took 10 hours because wow. it was Sunday service. So it went right across oh, England. Cool. Eventually it, 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 it arrived in um, at, at Bristol Temple Meads. And this is the type of guy that Joe Jordan and Jimmy Lumsden were. They met me at the train station. They were actually there. I was only 16, 17. They met me. And Joe said to me, hiya, son, how are you getting on? Um, have you ever get homesick? And I went, can I just stop you there, uh, Mr. Jordan? And he said, yeah. And I went, I'm never doing 10 hours on a train again. <laughs> I'm not going back. And from that moment, I would, I'm not going back because I, I, I thought, how far away is that? I'm not doing that journey ever again. And uh, thankfully, I never had to make the journey again, other than when I was a Bristol City player going back and visiting my family. Yeah. Oh, wow. So age 17, to sort of up sticks and leave your, your friends and family back home, you probably had to make some friends quite quickly. Were you put up in digs with, with particular players, probably in Southfield? Yeah, the, the, my first digs. Well, was the was the house that looks over the the ground, but you can't. You used to you used to be able to see across the ground because. Okay. What's the stand called behind the goals? Um, oh, so you've got the the well now the atio. Yeah, well, that you used to be able to see across. Yeah, of course. When it was the well, open my, end. Well, my bedroom, I would open my curtains in the morning. And you could look right across onto the pitch. Oh wow! Um, but then I moved in. I, I left there and I moved in with Buster Footman. <laughs> Blimey. Foster, Foster was my landlord. Really? Yeah, well, he was not a landlord. He was my the, the digs, him and Connie. So I lived with him and Connie for, I was there for about a year, and then I lived with him and Connie for probably another 18 months to two years. You must have watched a lot of Coronation Street. A lot of Coronation Street, a lot of EastEnders, <laughs> um, Jelly Deals. You name mm. it, but but Buster was a well. You you guys know Buster and Connie, fantastic people, and did so much for Bristol City, and and I was very very lucky to, to, to again live in such a solid household like that, that that looked after me so well. Well, that's actually how I got in touch with you was through Rick Footman, um, yeah. because he came back to Ashton Gate a couple of months back to where we celebrated um busters what would have been busters 85th birthday and that was a, a fantastic occasion so yeah you, and you still keep in touch with rick i do do you know what, what happened i was at blackpool and i was playing for blackpool this was years and years ago and i got this contact saying that 
Rick Footman is now living in Blackpool. He would like to to catch up. So I said, yeah, I said, I'll get you some, get, let's get some tickets for the game and and um, we'll, we'll meet after. And he said, well, actually, my dad's coming up as well. So Buster came up. <laughs> so we, we, went out, we went out for something to eat. I said to Buster, where do you want to go to eat? And he, and he said, there's a nice little restaurant around the, the, the corner from where Rick lives. And I goes, all right, we'll go there. We'll go for something to eat on a Sunday. It was a Gurkha restaurant. You know, the Gurkhas. Typical Buster, Royal Royal Marines, mate. Royal Marines. Yeah. He took us to the place that was ran with the Gurkhas. So oh, we went there and something. And then I kept in touch with him ever since. And every time I would play Bristol Rovers or Bristol City, Buster would always come to the hotel on a Friday night. Always oh, come. On a Friday night with Richard Latham. Remember Richard? Yeah, yeah. he still comes on match days. Well, Richard and him used to come in and uh, Buster would have his, his pint and uh, Richard would have his pint and have a good catch-up any time that they played. Sort of Bristol Rovers, Bristol City or Swindon. They were Obviously quite on a regular basis then with, with people at Bristol City. For a long, yeah. For a long time continuing. Mm. Yeah, because with the football thing, Andy always kind of knew <laughs> where I was. One time I was playing at Oldham, i tell you a funny thing, there was a knock on the door. And um, it was before the game, and the team had gone out to warm up. I never used to go in the warm ups. I used to let the, I let the team go and warm up and let them go on with that. Let the coaches do that. Chap the door. So the steward came and said, "There's somebody here to see you, Mickey." And I went, "Who is it?" Opened the door. It was John Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> was, was he coming to collect some money that you owed him? Or something? Must have. I must have. Thought, must have owed him some dough. Some. Yeah. Bailey, how are you doing? He goes, "How are you doing, son? You okay? You never looked any different." Oh, Never brilliant. looked any different. So yeah, all that. through my career, the guys always kind of turned That's up not... at the end, and it was brilliant to see them. Super yeah, to see them because that was such a a brilliant time in our lives, and they went at that Bristol City period. Oh, yeah, that. it was a real, like I said, they had a good experience, players, good pros. Um, they had some good young kids coming through and everything. Yeah, it was a, it was a real solid squad. That, like I said, the saddest thing was the manager left, and yeah. that affect everything. You know, going forward, in my eyes, you know. Okay, so coming to Andy May, born in Manchester in 1964, uh, came to Bristol City via Man City and Huddersfield in 1990 for a tribunal set fee of £36,000. You signed alongside Mark Azelwood, Louis Donoer and Murray Jones, which is a name I'm not familiar with. Um, and that was all under Joe Jordan. So how did the move come about for you, Andy? Um, it came about, I was out of contract at Man Man City and gone to Huddersfield. So I, I was really, I was out of contract at Huddersfield as well, and uh, spoke to a few managers in the in the summer of that time. And I think I, I think I met Joe. I, I met Joe down in Cheltenham or somewhere like that. Came went to meet him, um, and then had a chat. Thought, yeah, that looks like where I want to end up. And then spent six hours sat in traffic on the motorway game. <laughs> and I thought. I'm not really sure. That's a you know, it's a bit of a shorter distance than mixed ten hours on the yeah, train. Yeah, at least it wasn't ten hours on the train. Yeah. No, I was sat in traffic and I, I just couldn't move and uh, and that's how it really came about. So I was in, I ended up being in Diggs originally and stayed in in I think it was in Down End. All oh, right, okay, that's where I'm. That's where I am right now. So I was there for probably about the first month or so when we did uh, pre-season. So my. My first month in Bristol was uh, was there. So let's go back to um, debuts now. So um, your debut was on the 28th of uh, October in 1989 against Wigan at Ashton Gate. 
70th minute substitute for Dave Smith. Um, and what a season to make your debut in the 89-90 promotion season. I just wonder if you can remember the, t- the team or some of the players that day when you made your debut. Yeah, probably like everybody that comes on. You, you can remember it like yesterday. I can remember it like yesterday. It was really, really wet, rainy day. And they, they, in their days, you only had two subs. And they used to put the, the, the squad up on the, the, the wall or the, the dressing room. And I was, an, I was an apprentice. And I was just, my job was sweeping the dressing rooms. And one of the players came to me and said, Mickey, have you seen the squad? And I said, no. And he said, you own it. And I went, seriously? He went, you own it? And I went and looked and I was on it. And I thought, wow. I, I, so I kind of carried on and then got on with things and then, uh, Alan Crawford was a youth team manager and, and Jimmy Lums and said listen get yourself home you, yeah, you're in the squad uh, for tomorrow's game and at that you time you didn't get the, any pre-warning or anything like during the week nothing, or anything no? nothing nothing it was just that and I still didn't know I was going to even be sub did, did they say finish sweeping the dressing room then you can yeah exactly <laughs> do you know do you know they made me sweep the dressing room after the game <laughs> so, I, so I actually played the game and my job was dressing rooms yeah. so I went well, nobody's told me not to, and I knew, like, you know, you're a wee bit streetwise, you think, look, just go on with your job until somebody tells you otherwise. I went and got the brush, swept the dressing room up, cleaned it all, and, and I, would, I just played in the game. <laughs> <laughs> that was your warm day. You were living with us, so look after uh, the pro's boots, so my boots was uh, Rob Newman, Bob Taylor, so I went and got their boots, took them down to the boot room and cleaned theirs and mine, and then eventually went home. But that wasn't oh, wow. that was just the that wasn't unusual or that wasn't me being any different. That's how we believed mm. that you should behave, and quite rightly so. I think it stood us in good stead. And yeah. we, we we still had jobs to do, so we, we, we got on with that. But no, what a it was, great story. It's amazing <laughs> to a debut like that. And, and, and the guys, they, they guys all helped me, they just talked you through and and really help you through. So it was it, it was a lot easier than, than than what you imagined because you play with good players. Yeah, so it was a 3-0 win and the team that day was Andy Leaning, Andy Llewellyn, John Bailey, Gary Shelton, Glenn Humphreys, David Rennie, Mark Gavin, Rob Newman, Jason Eaton, Dave Smith, Robbie Turner, and you were on the bench with Bob Taylor. Well, there you go. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Bob was on the bench. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, didn't yeah. Do, he didn't do bad. No, 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 he that, didn't at all. No, a rest is as good as anything. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a couple of names in there that I, I've always wondered what they were like. And Glenn Humphreys went down as a bit of a, a city legend just because his nickname was Psycho and he was a no-nonsense defender. What was he like to train with? Um, do you know what? He's, he's a really nice guy. Really, really good with the, the, the young players. Really well liked. He, 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 he was... He wasn't a dirty player. He was, ju- he was he was just aggressive about getting his job done. He wasn't dirty, and and, and the, the, he he didn't he would enjoy that the, the fans enjoyed that he got stuck in and he would put a shift in for the team. Oh he, yeah, he loved the notoriety of being that yeah, sort. Of- he enjoyed that, but he, he was wasn't a dirty player. He wasn't a dirty player. He, he was a he was the old fashioned general the, the generalization of a centre back, wasn't he? Head yeah. it. Get tight, get tough, do your job. Yeah, yeah, he was. But I mean, he was he was quite softly spoken as well, wasn't he? He wasn't, you know. And like you said, he was a nice guy, very unassuming off the field, but obviously had a presence on the field, which is which is, I suppose, what you wanted. And like I said, he just got on and did his job. Yeah. He was a winner. He was a winner, like most of that team was a winner. 
and yeah. uh, a couple of couple of wingers in there. Obviously, Bristol City have had some amazing wingers over the over the years, and recently it's been a bit of a lost art in the in more recent times. I think being a winger and Mark Gavin and Dave Smith flying down the flanks. What was it like having having that outlet, Mickey? First of all, and then we'll come to you, Andy. I don't enjoy watching football as much now as what I did when wingers used to play. I was came from an era where you got the ball out wide or into the front men's feet as quickly as you can. And when it went to the wide man, the crowd would all get excited because that one v one battle with a fullback would come. And he would try and he would try and get crosses into the box or he'd try and get overlaps. And then the two front men would be in the middle making runs and the far wide man would try and get in the back and a midfield player might might try and get through the middle. And I loved that type of football. And now the winger now, I mean, this is even a Myra, the winger now comes inside mm. and the fullback ends up where the winger is and the fullback gets the ball and he can't go by people. So he turns yeah. back and gives it back. Yeah. But now we would be, be told, get it out to Dave Smith, let him get on with it, get crosses in the box, or get it out to Mark Gavin, let him go and do his thing. And can you go and support him with overlaps if you need it? But when the bog is in the box, two strikers, opposite full, uh, wide man, and can a midfield player get in the middle of it all? And that's how we played, and that's how most of the teams played. Um, but wingers then, every team had wingers. And I yeah. used to, I loved the wingers. Yeah. And I yeah, wish wingers come back. I love wingers. Well, and certainly for fans as well. I mean, it got me off my seat every time... Yeah. You know, a player like Alan Walsh, Mark Gavin, Dave Smith, Albert Adoma in more recent times, players like that get hold of the ball. Junior Bent, Junior, Junior Bent, Bent, Scotty Murray, etc. Yeah, everyone gets off their seat. We and it's more wing backs now, Andy, isn't it? In terms of the, that well, support and the well, wing. Well, those two were those two were very different wingers. I mean, Sludger Dave Smith was all about pace, knocking the ball out of his feet, and he thought, and because he was just exceptionally quick, he thought, well, I'll make it a foot race. And that's all. That's all. Smudger used to do. Gab was a bit more. It was a far trickier player. I mean, overlapping Mark Gavin would probably be a waste of time. He would never give you <laughs> the ball. <laughs> he'd, he'd let you sail down the outside and come inside, and you know, a bit of a shimmy and a trick. And but they were two totally different wingers, but both effective in in their own in their own special way. You know, Smudger had, like I said, his electric pace and was very direct. Mark Gav wasn't as direct, but you know, was a was a tricky winger. Would manoeuvre the ball. wasn't as didn't rely on his pace as much as Dave Smith, really. And like you said, now wingers are totally different. But uh, yeah, there were two two great guys and and two great personalities as well. Gav chatty as anything, social as anything. Dave Smith the same. I mean, as as we've said between ourselves, me and Mickey, we had a great set of lads there that were just you know always helping each other, always being supportive, and you know. And helping each other off the pitch and on the pitch as well. Brilliant. Let's come to your debut, Andy. You made your debut in a 4-2 win at home against Blackburn on the 25th of August, 1990. Team that day, Ronnie Sinclair, Andy Llewellyn, Azelwood, Andy May, Gary Shelton, David Rennie, Louis Donower, Rod Newman, Bob Taylor, Nicky Morgan and Dave Smith. So a lot of similar names, but uh, some, some, some interesting names in there as well. Let's pick out a couple. Dave Rennie. Um, obviously went on to play in the Premier League. Uh, so you played alongside Dave Rennie and Gary Shelton. Yes, I mean they were both they were both there at the time. You know, um, so I, I I come that season and, and joined the midfield. And so I mean I'm trying. I think we, I think we played. I mean Renz I think played at the back. 
Must have played at centre because yeah, I played with Shell in midfield. Yeah. So I yeah. think Rens would have played at the back in that in that sort of game with Mark Hazel. Well, a bit like a bit like Rob Newman. I mean, Rob Newman's played pretty much every position on the pitch for Bristol City in his many years that he spent there. He, 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 he still didn't look good in every position on the pitch, as far as I'm aware. Rob yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just to, um, if, if there was 15 minutes to go, he would go up front. Yeah. We would push him up front and he would become a striker. Oh, I thought he just went up front on his own. <laughs> I'll have a shot on him as well. Front and, and make a big impact. Because yeah. he could play either. Could play yeah. either. Oh. Technically, technically, he was he was very good. Two good feet. You know, he was good in the air. He was physically strong. You know, he had he had great attributes, like you said, that allowed him to play in different positions. Okay, um, right. Coming back to you, Mickey. So you had your debut, which we've spoken about, and then you went out on loan to Bath City, broke your leg, and had to spend five months rehab with Buster Footman. And you, were you living with him at that point? <laughs> I had that first season, um, and then in the pre-season, injured again. I can remember it and, and missed a bit of pre-season, and then got the opportunity to go out and loan. And Bath was in the conference at the time. Because right. we were quite isolated in Bristol, so to be able to still live at home and and kind of go and play and then come back was was what we we would do. And in my second game, I was I was actually Jim Jimmy had phoned me and told me I was coming back because we I did well I did okay there at Bath and got my fitness going and all the rest of it. I was coming back and in the New Year's Day at Yeovil, I broke my ankle, broke my leg mm. doing in Yeovil, and that yeah, like that put me out for five months. Um, until the, the kind of March, the April of that season. Um, and yeah, Buster was my physio, so I used to get constant physiotherapy. And, <laughs> and Buster used to have this thing about, do you remember, Andy, used to go, statics, statics. So he used to, all the time I'd be watching the telly, and be going, do your statics. <laughs> statics all the time. But no, he was a fantastic guy. But yeah, I, I, I had 24-7 physiotherapy. I mean, I was very fortunate. I, I mean... I wasn't. I wasn't injured at all. I didn't have one. You know, I was. I was very fortunate. I didn't have an injury at Bristol City. Well, it's quite amazing probably- actually. So, looking at the statistics, um, so you were at Bristol City for two seasons, and you must have virtually played every game because you played fifty-one games in nineteen ninety-one season, and then ninety-one, ninety-two, you played fifty, so one hundred and one appearances in two seasons. That's pretty. That's pretty special. That shows that. I- I wasn't in contact with anybody. I wasn't running, so I couldn't pull anything. I wasn't tackling anybody. <laughs> wasn't going up for any headers. <laughs> so I just, you know, was on the periphery, I'm sure, and kept myself safe, to say yeah. the least. Uh, fortunately, I haven't got any uh, assist statistics, but having watched a lot of that season back, most of it is on YouTube, the highlights. Uh, you were involved in quite a lot of goals. Um, so what what did you enjoy most about playing football? Was it... Was it creating chances, uh, trying to open up spaces, feeding the strikers, defending? What did you enjoy most? That full description sort of encompassed the job that that I had. My job was more with the ball and trying to manoeuvre and manipulate the ball, create space or create chances, as you said, and get the ball and, and be a, like like a continuity player, going through the midfield, you know, either getting out to the fullbacks, getting it wide into the strikers and that sort of thing. So that was, that was my job. I, I wasn't really... A goal scorer, I think Shells would have scored more goals than me. I think, you know, probably Mickey did as well. So that wasn't my main thing, you know. We scored six, six my, goals. For my purpose, 
six goals in two seasons. And I, I think I, I put a highlight reel together of all of those six. And there were some absolute screamers in there. Some some great goals. And uh, out of those Not six... I was never in the box, probably. No, they were all quite... They were all from far out, to be fair. Yeah, some great finishes. Yeah, I was ne- I, I, that's why I wasn't a box-to-box player. <laughs> <laughs> Any stick out for you in terms of your, your goals? Um, the goal... I think the goal against... Was it, was it Hull City at home from the throw and played the one-two and bent it in the top corner? I think was the. I can't. I can't remember too many of the others to be honest. I'll, I'll um, bear with me. I shall. I shall play them for you now. Andy May in possession there. The ninety thousand pound midfield signing from Huddersfield last summer, exchanging passes. Lovely shot. Allison doesn't catch. Andy May featured in the final breakthrough move. He takes the throw in. He gets it back from Hazelwood. He looks up. Finds Morgan. Morgan returns the ball perfectly. Then the perfect shot. Yeah, right foot curler outside the box. Second half and Andy May at it again. A perfectly placed free kick. Rob Newman's super volley. That's 2-0. Though not Andy May, having begun the move, is to finish it off in style. Has that for dexterity, accuracy and a lovely goal. City's 14,000 crowd glad they braved the wet weather. Andy May, a midfield player with his third goal of the season. For the break, Andy May's surging run and cross is met perfectly by substitute Nicky Morgan. Number two, Andy May prominent at the start and the end of the move as he sets up Bob Taylor. Okay, so we saw a blend of your goals there and goals and assists. Any uh, stick out for you there? Well, I remember the goal, the FA Cup game against Wimbledon, wasn't it? The replay at yeah. Selhurst Park. I mean, I think we played in a dour draw, I think, Ashton Gate. And then we went there. I think I think the weather was terrible. And I think I scored after probably in the first 10 minutes, I think. It was a terrible game. So that's yeah, 10th sure. minute, that that goal yeah. against, uh, against Wimbledon. But yeah, as I said, great, great record in terms of contributions. Key contributions, we'll call them, to... Uh, to goals <laughs> and Mickey give it well, to you being very modest right because <laughs> the footballers knew that we were have gone now so um he was a he was a brilliant player cracking little player um who when we when when it when came to the club with, with him and Shelts and all the kind of guys we they they were a, were a match for them the our levels all the time we we were a really good strong mm. side I was now outside of that. I was only 18, 19. I went to West Brom when I was 20. Mm. But they guys, um, every week, were, were a match for anybody, all the time. And that's in the country. So he's been very modest there. I'll be able to say that for him. <laughs> I, I, I think he is as well. He's been very uh, modest. Yeah, right. Let's have a look at your goal for Bristol City, Mickey Mellon. Here we go. Uh, an assist from Andy Cole coming up here. Get away from defenders and then draw them to him so that his last moment final pass found Mickey Mellon unmarked and able to score. Um, <laughs> but, but that was but, Mickey's uh, game. He was breaking, you know, breaking into... You would never see me breaking into the box on my own for a tapping. Yeah, no, <laughs> fantastic. So 22nd of August, 1992, Luton away. Um, I went to Luton for the first time this season with Bristol City and uh, quite a special ground, that one. And it's potentially going to be in the Premier League. But... Uh, that's a conversation for another day, but that that team playing there, 
playing alongside Andy Cole, who went on, as we know, to be one of the top Premier League goal scorers of all time. Um, talk us through some of your memories during that time. What happened was um, Jimmy Lumsden left and then um, I started to get into the team a little bit more. I think it was about 19 then. Um, and then we brought Andy Cole from Arsenal on loan. Yep. And then we... Um, no, he was on loan when I was there. Right. And then no, he signed he was, the season after. Then Smith brought him in, I think. Uh, and Dennis signed him. Then, then then he signed the next season and I left in that. So I played probably about, I don't know, 10 games with Andy Cole, something like that, 10, 12 games. So you were there, Andy, when Andy was on loan. Yeah. So then he, then he did well and then we signed him. And then actually, we we played at Luton one time, and I can remember dead clear that um, he couldn't come back in the bus because Newcastle had bought him. Oh wow! So we played Luton, and he'd gone to Newcastle. Newcastle would signed him, um, so he didn't come back with us. I can't remember if it was that game or no, I can't remember. But no, we, we had some really good players, and then so, so Matt Bryant was coming through, and Paul Marden, and a lot of younger players were starting to come through. Then. Um, the older players were starting to maybe start to leave and a new sort of group was coming through. So, um, but it was, uh, the, the, again, there were, there were great times. There were good times. Well, looking at the looking at the team that day, uh, so the, the attacking threat was Jackie Jakonowski, Leroy Rossini, Andy Cole, and yourself, Mickey, bursting into the box clearly there. So uh, that is a legendary, you know, bunch of names there in Bristol City history. Wow, <laughs> I'm among decent company there. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. then there was Wayne Allison and guys like that. And you mentioned Louis Donovan, another brilliant winger on his day, wasn't he, Andy? He was electric. Louis Donovan, good run. Yeah. Um, so well, like was... I said, he signed, he signed the same time as I did. And, and he, he obviously made his debut on the, in the same game. But, uh, he wrote yeah, his name I... into Bristol City history as well with that goal against Bristol Rovers. I thought it was because his name's Brian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've done a recent poll about uh, people's top five sort of champagne moments and the Louis Donner were goal against Bristol Rovers to win 1-0 at Ashton Gate often often comes up. But um, yeah, no, fantastic memories. And let's talk let's talk Bristol derbies whilst we're on the subject. Um, Andy, did you play in many Bristol derbies? Um, yeah, well, I, I think I've mentioned to you last time we spoke. I, I mean, my 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 debut for Bristol City was in, was in the Gloucester Cup. Oh yeah, and it was and it was a, I think we played at Twerton Park pre-season, so we had to had to go there and thought pre-season, yeah, you know, would just be a nice game. We've turned up at Twerton Park. It's a full house. Things are being thrown at the coach <laughs> before we get there, um, and. And we played in this, like I said, pre-season game, which was like, you know, it was a, it was, it was physical to say the least in that game. And I think, we, and I think we won three nil or four nil, and that was my first Bristol derby, as in, uh, or encounter with the likes of, you know, David Mayhew, Ian yeah. Holloway, Alexander, you know, all that that sort of crew. I don't think actually our results against them were, were that good in the two seasons I were there in the league. Well, I'm just looking through now. So, so we lost three two at Bristol Rovers in the January of your first season, and then the March was the Louis Donova game. Um, right. Andy Leanin saved penalty, and then Louis Donova goes up the other end and uh, and scores. Um, so, yeah, you didn't do too badly. And then the following season, a home win one nil, and then 
Oh, away. Lost 3-2 away. So, yeah, not not too bad. Yeah, well, like I said, we won the home games and lost the away games. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that was, that was the normal thing with uh, playing Bristol Rovers. But, yeah, it was, you know, good atmosphere, good local derby, good commitment from both sides and everything that goes with, you know, two teams from the same city playing in the same division. It was, it was competitive on and off the field, let's say. How about yourself, Mickey? I'm just looking through your appearances. I, 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 was, I was at college and I got a phone call that I was in the squad. So I had to rush him from college. It was the night, I think it was about two nights before the end of the season. And it was almost like a playoff to win the league. Okay. So yeah, yeah. was at the top and it was at Twerton Park. And um, I was, I can't remember if I was on a bench or I was like the, because there was only two subs. I might have been either on a bench or I was the 13th man, one or the other. Um, and I remember sitting there and it, the atmosphere was beyond electric because it was so much yeah, and I remember there was a wee bit of trouble behind the goal and this is this Joe Jordan this is what my point of this is about how big a sort of personality Joe Jordan was there was a it was kicking off behind the goal and Joe Jordan walked across the pitch and put his hands up and it stopped yeah <laughs> I remember it and I, I was like wow I mean that's up there with the story of Joe Jordan chasing a man on a horse that came onto the training pitch and I remember, I remember looking at him and going, I'm never going to mess with him. He thinks he can catch a guy on a hawk. <laughs> he backs himself against anybody, this fella. Even um, uh, Gattuso as well. Yeah, well, that was that night. So it was, it, I think, I can't, I can't remember if it was when we both got promoted to League One. Yeah. So, looking at it now, so it was the 2nd of May 1990, um, yeah. and we lost 3 0. Yeah, that day. but the atmosphere was beyond. Um, electric and then we then had a home game and we won and got promoted awesome. so I'd, I'd seen I'd get brought up playing against Bristol Rovers with the youth teams and the reserve teams because I was obviously an apprentice with Marcus Stewart and all the kind of guys uh, Marcus Brown and and all the yeah. local Bristol boys so it was like Bristol boys against each other so it was even more um, at youth team level the, the rivalry was right up there with all this kind of derbies that I played in or, or, or was involved in uh, between the Bristol teams. But like Andy said, a lot of the times when you went out into Bristol on the, the Saturday night and you met them, there was no, never any animosity. It was just, yeah. we were all ballers and that was gone and we, we got on with it kind of thing. And I still see, I, I see quite a wee bit of Ian Holloway. Still, I still speak to him now. He's a, <laughs> he's a good character. <laughs> Well, he was on. Um, he was actually on Radio Bristol last night because it was Jeff Twentyman's last show, last ever show. Last night, he's yeah. he's, he's um, retired from the BBC after thirty years. Um, so Ian was one of the su- surprise guests that came on, and uh, they reminisced about old times. So yeah, that was that was a, a good good one to listen to. But yeah, the the rivalries, you know, have curtailed recently um well it's been i think 20 odd years since we've been in the same league and we've only had a handful of cup games to talk to talk about and if you ask if you ask city fans do they miss it it's a real 50 50 split because there's always the fear of they don't want don't want to play them just in case we don't win um but then on the other hand there's that bragging rights if if they do win and Andy, you must have experienced lots of uh, other derbies in your time, but it, it is a it is a big thing, and I do feel sorry for the younger generation. Well, it's a, it's a strange mix, and as, as Mickey alluded to, there, if 
if the players are from from the town or the city, you know, you've grown up with it. The fans are obviously always there, and, and you know, it's so obviously from Manchester. The Manchester derby was was a, was the game, but from the f- supporters' point of view, it's there, like you said, bragging rights and everything that goes with that. And uh, Bristol is no different from any other town, any other city that has a local derby. They're passionate about their team. They, they want bragging rights. They want to go and, you know, take the piss out of their mates on, on, the, on the Monday morning and, and this sort of thing and, and not hide in the cupboard. So, you know, it applies all around the country. And, and Bristol, like I said, we're as fervent as, as, as any other supporters of, of any other team in any division. And, uh, yeah, I think it's sadly... I think the supporters miss the camaraderie of... of but like you said, there's a fair factor of if we don't want to play them because... And that sort of thing. I, yeah, I, and that is the fans, I think, more than the players. But obviously now, with the influx of more foreign players, it, 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 I don't want to say it has a less of an importance to players, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not quite the same thing. Yeah, really good point. And, and, you know, Bristol City at the moment, we've got six or seven under-23 academy graduates in the team in the first team at the, at the end of the season. So perfect time to bring back the Bristol Derbies. Let's bring back the Gloucester Cup. <laughs> bring back the Gloucester Cup, why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, so Andy, as I said, two fantastic seasons, 101 appearances, six goals. Any other sort of standout moments for you or players you particularly gelled with during your time at Bristol City? Well, I was, I was saying to Mickey earlier, I, I, I remember either... Andy Llewellyn or Mark Hazelwood, they were my two roommates. Um, but we had we had the experience, and, and and he still sort of got the thing as though, you know, you have the older players, younger players, sort of, sort of like Gary Shelton with you know Rob Newman. We were all roughly the same age, so we had that really good mix, real solid core of players, experienced players. The saddest thing was that, that Joe left. Yeah, Joe Jordan left quite early on. Um, and it brought it brought together over the two two seasons a good core group of players. I think that if if he'd have been there, I think you know we'd have been challenging up in the upper echelons of that division that season. Mm. Uh, and so your last appearance was the second of May '92, a five-two defeat away at Watford. Um, and yeah, and uh, then you you left Bristol City and moved on. Tell us tell us the story around Andy May leaving Bristol City. Well, it came about because I, I was out of contract that season. Dennis Smith was the manager at the time. Um, and we'd gone, we actually, we'd gone to Millwall. We played away at Millwall, I think, uh, right to, towards the end of the season. Mick McCarthy, who was a former teammate of mine, was in charge at Millwall. Um, and we'd gone there in a midweek game. I think we'd gone behind quite early on in the game. I think Phil Barber scored. And I think it was the game. I think I'm not quite sure. It was, I think it was either Andy Cole or Leroy or Wayne Out scored a hat trick in the game. I think we won four one away from home. So Leroy got two. Andy got one. Right. So we won. You know, I thought, and we won three one that night. And obviously, that was towards the end of the season. So I, so obviously, I may have done something right that evening. Mick McCarthy was interesting. I'd spoken to Dennis Smith, and he said. Um, you know, you can speak to Millwall. I spoke to Millwall. Millwall had made an offer. And Dennis Smith basically just said, you know, I think you're going to Millwall. I'll, I'll try and broker the deal. And 
part of the deal was uh, sort of Mr. Thompson coming the other way, I think. I went to Millwall and... <laughs> Dave Thompson. And Dave Thompson came the opposite way, yes. Um, and, and that's how it happened, really. So it happened quite quickly from, from mm. that game and into, into the summer that, it, you know, like I said, it was all broken and I was on my way. Yeah, well, uh, that was around the sort of time when I was getting more and more into football. And I... I I remember your time at Bristol City very fondly, as as it sounds like you did also. Oh, yeah. Like I said, we had a great group of players, um, great camaraderie. Everything about the club was, was going in the right direction. And it was it was all positive. Everything, you know, was happening. And, you know, we were playing good football. We were scoring goals. You know, we had Bob scoring on a regular basis, Bob Taylor. Mm. And we had a real flair of a team, you know, replacing Bob was Andy Cole. Wayne Allison, Lee Rosing, Terry Connor, Jackie Jackanowski. So we had a we had a top influx of really good players, and it was all looking positive. And like I said, this, the thing that sort of fractured it a little bit was the departure of, yeah. in my eyes, was Joe Jordan. Um, yeah. I sort of broke that thing up, really. Mickey, you left the following year, same season, uh, 30th of January 1993 was your last game, a home match versus Luton Town. And in that season, you played you played 20 times for Bristol City. How did the departure come about for you? We, we didn't have a manager. I think Dennis had just been Dennis sacked and Mark Hazelwood, um, Shelton Gary Wilson. Shelton, took over the team and it, it, the place was in a bit of turmoil really and I was just kind of walking by um, Tony Forthrop's office and he said to me listen lad he said um, there's a big club in for you and I sort of went oh right okay Tony because nowadays football clubs owned the player you, it was really difficult mm. to move yeah so I said, yeah, okay. And he said, um, just make sure that you're around. Because they did mobile phones then either. No. Just make sure you're around. I don't even know what's going on. So then um, uh, Russell Osman um, had pulled me into the manager's office and, and said, uh, look, Mickey, um, West Brom uh, want to sign you. And I went, right, okay. And, and I said, so what happens now? And he goes, what's well, kind of, you know, it's a good move for you and it's Aussie Ardealis and it's West Brom and uh, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'll, I'll go and speak to them. Because I didn't really know my way around England. I've got to be honest, I was only, I was 19, 20, I was only, I was a kid. And um, I goes and meets Aussie Ardealis, you know, Aussie Ardealis at uh, the West Brom Moat House. Never forget. And then I goes in and he goes, uh, he, he tells me all about how he's watched me playing and how, how uh, Mickey Hazard had recommended me to him and I'm going, right, okay, and right, okay. And uh, he said, what, what wages do you want? And I said, uh, I told him what I wanted because Gary Shelton told me what he asked for. <laughs> <laughs> that's Brilliant. true. And he went right away, he went, yeah, that's fine. And then that moment came and I thought... I should have asked for more. I should have asked for more. I'm, I'm, I'm a West Brom player. And then... I left and I went to West Brom and actually Bob Taylor was there. Bob Taylor was already there at right. West Brom. And Paul Martin um, or not? No, he came later. Right. And we, we got promoted. So actually by that time I got promoted for Bristol City and then the next season got promoted for West Brom. So I thought, this is easy, this. 
Yeah, you just so, keep going up and doing a country game. Yeah. Promoted. Must have, must have some influence somewhere. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So Love yeah. That. So that was that. I ended up at West Brom. And then from there, Blackpool, Tranmere, Burnley, and then back to Tranmere, Kidderminster. Um, and then you finished your playing career by the looks of it at uh, Lancaster City. Is that right? Well, I never really. I, I kind of, you know, that one. Was, How old were you then? How old were you? Oh, 33, 34, 35, something like right. that. I, I'd gone along to help a pal of mine. Right. Um, okay. And then we didn't have enough players one day. And they were all looking around the room, and I was going, please don't look at me. I can't even move. <laughs> I, can, I can't even move. I can't even move. And then they looked and they went, Mick, you're going to have to play. I know, and, and yeah, I couldn't move and I couldn't play. <laughs> Brilliant. I knew my time had come long before that, but and then so everybody says, yeah, you played for Lancaster, but no, well, I, I kind of joined in a wee bit and was glad it was over. But uh, I, guess, I guess people will know you um, a lot about your successes as a manager. Um, so you began your managerial career with Fleetwood Town and you took them into the Football League for the first time in their history. That must have been something for you to experience. I think, I think football is about opportunity and, 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 and fortune and you opportunity comes and if you take your chance and you, you get that bit of luck and you, you, you sort of keep going and they'll tell you that. And I got the opportunity. I'd, I'd been coaching at, at Burnley. Burnley are really good with their ex-players and, and, and they decided they were going to put me through my coaching badges. Um, and then Andy Pilly, who's the, the chairman of um, Fleetwood, had asked me, did I want to be the manager of Fleetwood? And I said, no, I'm quite happy doing the Burnley thing. And I didn't really want to be a, a manager at that stage. I was just kind of learning my thing. And he said, no, come up and see what we want to do. And we eventually, I, yeah, I took the job. We got promoted the first season, then the second season we got promoted again. And we, we, I say I was, I was speaking to somebody today. It was my second season with Fleetwood was like cheating because we signed a player called uh, Jamie Vardy from Halifax, <laughs> and you just knew you were going to win every week. It was it was amazing to know that you were going to win. <laughs> but it's really strange because when I was at I was at Halifax um, in the season, I think late nineties, I think, and. I think Vardy had left and we signed a guy and we thought we were going to win every game every week. Yeah. And it was Jeff Horsfield. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jeff had a good career, didn't he? What a career Jeff had. Yeah, Jeff Horsfield was like yeah. incredible. He, he come up, like, he got promoted with Halifax, gone into the league. First, he'd never played in the league. It, I think he'd, I think he'd had, he was in double figures before Christmas. Yeah. You know, and, good player. and he, that got him a move. Kevin Keegan again stealing another player. <laughs> yeah, another good player. Managing Jamie Vardy through his sort of the early stages of his yeah. career, um, an absolute goal scoring machine, and went oh. on to win the Premier League. Well, there was a lot of there was a lot of really that was a really talented team with a lot of talented players that all went on to really have really good careers. We just managed to get this really good group together, mm. and we skated the conference and got into the League Two. And then we sold Vardy, and then we were third in League Two. Um, and I fell out with the, the owner a little bit, and things happened, and I had to go because it, was, it wasn't my club. So I left. And then I went to Barnsley. Um, and I had a brilliant time at Barnsley over a place, Yorkshire, that Andy knows really, really well. I'd never really played or managed in Barnsley, uh, Yorkshire, um, and, and loved it. Absolutely loved it. 
Um, we had that last day, I don't know if you remember that, Andy, the last day against Huddersfield where nobody moved for the last nine minutes. If you can watch it on YouTube, it's one of the weirdest games you'll ever see because if any is lose, we could go down. Sounds a bit like... uh, You both stayed up. We both stayed up. Sounds a bit like the Bristol City Coventry game back in 1977. Because Matt, Matt Robbins, Matt Robbins kept looking at me, and I kept looking at Matt Robbins, and he kept going, and I kept going. I don't, don't really know because <laughs> if we score, you're down, and we, we kind of half attacked each other, but you kind of thought, yeah. don't, just don't go forward, stay, stay there, <laughs> just pass it around um, in the middle of the park. <laughs> yes, yeah, so just stay there, and then, uh, but I left there and I went to Shrewsbury. I got promoted with Shrewsbury. Had some brilliant little players there: Connor Goldson, Ryan Woods. James Collins all went on to play Premier League and all that kind of things. Then I went to Tranmere. We won back-to-back promotions there as well. Won Conference Premier League Two back-to-back at Wembley. Um, Andy, Andy, he must be one of the most successful managers in football history. I think he's up there with Neil Warnock, isn't he? He's done a fantastic job. A fantastic job. Yeah, and then so yeah. and then from Tranmere to to Dundee United and back to Tranmere. Dundee United, which was I mean that was always I'd I'd never played in Scotland. I'd never played in Scotland, so I got the opportunity to go back, and I'm so delighted that I took it because to go manage against Celtic and Rangers, yeah, was if I stopped football now, I'd be quite content. I've I've managed at Hamden, I've managed at Wembley. I've managed against Man United, Man City, Celtic Rangers, Van Gaal, Mourinho, Potocino, all of them. Now you're name dropping. And I, no, but I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, like you were saying to me earlier, Andy, back into football and that. I, I could never look back and say, yeah, I envy anybody else. Or I had my, I had a great time, and if I go back in, I do. It is fantastic, enough. Mickey, that you are content and yeah. and what what a football career as a player, as a manager, um, and now doing some really good things um, in schools um, all over the country. So, uh, yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much for you. uh, for your contributions. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Um, and and Andy yourself, um, in terms of what you did oh. life after Bristol City. Oh, well, I, I obviously carried on playing for a while. Then I, like, then I ended up coaching, taking my coaching badges, and I ended up at uh, Halifax. Um, and then I moved on to, I coached the, uh, the youth team at Wigan for quite a while. And we had, we had, we had a young up-and-coming kid at Wigan, and, and we thought, yeah, he's going to be one hell of a player. He's going to, you know, he was a, he was a left fullback, and... Uh, I had, I had a kid in my in my youth team who was 18. He, he was a decent player, but I had this 15-year-old that was coming through. And, and it was one of those decisions where, you know, Mickey will know, we had, we had to decide on this 18-year-old. Any other time, you'd have probably given him a contract. But the kid following him was a guy called Leighton Baines. Oh, yeah, Leighton, yeah. <laughs> So we had Leighton Baines as a 14, 15-year-old kid coming in. He's playing in my under-18s team. And it was it was it was awful. It was awful to to make a decision on this boy being being determined by somebody that was three years younger, that was just exceptional. He was an outstanding athlete, ability to play the game, to read the game, and obviously where he ended up and what he achieved and all that sort of thing. Um 
So, it, it, you know, there's those moments, you know, and you're coaching people like Roberto Martinez, who's ended up being manager of yeah. countless countries, taking teams to World Cups and, you know, European Championships and that sort of thing. Um, and you coach all these sort of people, cross your path and uh, go on and do good things. But, but being in football, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I love being in football and coaching and being involved, that aspect of it. The other aspect of it, as Mickey now, is chairman, people above you, all that sort of thing. And sometimes somebody else's failure costs you your job and on this sort of thing. So it's, you know, it's missed in a way, but, you know, yeah, not but, really. You, can, you still can't be playing. Well, we so so you came back uh, for a game to see us at the former players association this season, Andy, which was fantastic to have you back. Um, and we bumped into Nigel Pearson, and you did your coaching badges with Nigel, and you had a bit of a reminisce on that, didn't you? We did. I think it was it was the first time when they did all the coaches. The first scheme that they'd done, the coaching badges for the licenses was all ex players. So at the time, it was all ex players. Um, taking their coaching badges and this was when Howard Wilkinson was in charge of it all and this sort of thing and Nigel Pearson was on was on the course and Glenn Rhoda was on the you know there were a lot Mark Hughes was on the course it was like I said it was all um, you know all top players the, the Scotland manager was on the course you know so it was uh, it was a group of players that worked hard enjoyed everything we did we had a great we had a great time it was like it was like being a at boarding school for for a month and it, it was fantastic and we were all with each other having a great time learning to coach how to coach how to be coached all this sort of thing and it was yeah it was good to see Nigel yeah it was good to catch up and as he said we, we had a great time we had a good laugh and uh, it was uh, like I said good to catch up with him yeah, brilliant. And Mickey, um, we need to get you back down Ashton Gate at some point in the future. Uh, we'll see the former Players Association is up and running, has been all season, and uh, we've got the lounge there to welcome back former players like yourself. So it'd be fantastic for you to come back. When was the last time you were at Ashton Gate? Probably been as a manager, I think. I think I've... Um, did I... Do you know what? I always love getting back because... Must bring back four, so many memories for you. Four and a half really... Big important years in my life, so it was a, it was a fantastic time and so many brilliant people. And you know the, the the funny thing is, and people used to say that to me when I was younger. See when you bump into an ex team, it'll be like that you see them, you've, you've seen them every other day, yeah. or you've seen what it's like with me and Andy. Mm-hmm. It's like we meet each other every day. It's, that never leaves you. It's just the the relationships that you build. Yeah, I'd reckon, I'd reckon, go, go to a game, see Pat, see Neil Bomber. They look after you. It's a great day and. You know, it's uh, and they'll be pleased to see you. And that's, that's oh, yeah. Not- oh, absolutely, yeah. The fans will fans absolutely love it. Former players um, mean so much to to the fans and the the foundations that you all built and everything. All the contributions. Um, it's always a it's always great to get any former player back at Bristol City. So, um, Mickey, obviously, it'd be great. Great. Oh, to well, see I'll you. take you up now. I'll take yeah, you up now. No, please do. Please do. Um, and Andy, I said at the very start of this, before Mickey joined, when was the last time you sort of saw and spoke to to Mickey? And it was, you know, probably the day you left Bristol City. And the fact that you are talking like this and reminiscing, this is what this is all about. Well, well like, like Mickey said, he's, he's, he's touched on it. He said, you know, I, like I saw Wells, you know, Keith Wells, I saw Andy Llewellyn. It's like you've, you've, you've been with them all the time and you're in the dressing room with them. You sort of just... You pick up where you left off in a way, 
Yeah. You know, and you, you remember the same things, you laugh at the same things and all this sort of thing. And it's, it's like, though you're not, though you're not in their presence, it's very easy and very comfortable to, you know, to get back in the presence and, and, and reminisce and remember. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see Mickey and, and talk to him today. Well, before you go, Andy, we've got to give a shout out to your sly dog rum that you're involved <laughs> in. Uh, I've I've had the pleasure of of tasting the rum, and I'm a big fan. So, just briefly, just give that a quick plug. Sly dog rum started a couple couple of years ago with uh, with family members. Uh, Louis in charge is, is the owner, and he's the driving force behind everything. But he's created a couple of years ago, just before the lockdown. Um, fantastic marketing. Check it out on on the website. Check it out on Instagram. Get a bottle of it, and you'll never regret it. Sly dog rum. Yeah, Spice Duck Rum. They've got a lovely little gift set with um, some mixers in there as well. Um, so, yeah, definitely do check that one out. Thank you so much to Mickey Mellon and Andy May for coming on Robins Reunited, talking about their, their times at Bristol City and the fantastic careers that both of them have had. I know, Andy and Mickey, you've definitely enjoyed yourself and hopefully everyone listening has too. So thank you so much and take care. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you, mate. Keep in touch. I'm going to go and open my sly dog rum. <laughs> you do that. <laughs> Cheers, all. I'm drifting along, it's a one-way road Just like the tumbleweed Or a standing stone Far away from the city Desolation of life